So Proverbs 28 and verse 1. And it says, The wicked runs away when no one is chasing them, but the righteous or the godly are as bold as a lion. Hallelujah. The wicked flee or run away when no one is chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I just feel that, you know, God has been speaking to me um, through the word. And I think that all of us can see, you don't have to be, you know, any, any super intellect to notice this. But there are a lot of plagues that are affecting the earth right now. You know, we've, we've already lived through two years of the plague of COVID and are still, you know, it's still ongoing with people. And, you know, so many people lost their lives and have been devastated even with, you know, symptoms of long COVID and all of that. And I would never disregard, you know, I know many people kind of poo-paw what people have gone through, but... Um, I don't think that's right. I, I do know that it was a man-made plague. I, I have no doubt of that. Um, and uh, we're seeing right now, you know, uh, an increase, I suppose, in the plague of fear. I think that's the biggest plague that we can see. And it's the fear, fear of now they're afraid of the flu. Now they're afraid of, you know, sore throats. And they're afraid of of everything. And there's like these constant... Um, bulletins being released about the latest thing that you need to be afraid of and um, <clears throat> I, I see a plague of sudden deaths that is and, and you know it's not being spoken about but I mean it's, it's happening and um, there's all kinds of theories and, and things like that and you know while I, while I don't doubt that many or all of them may be true um, one thing I do know is that it's time for people to get right with God, yes. you know, and, and get their yes. act together. Yes. That's, that's the truth of it. Mm. And um, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge is the lack of the knowledge of who God is, of what his word says, and of who we are in Christ. Yeah. And um, you know, I quoted that earlier there that uh, people, it says in, in Jeremiah chapter 9, I think it is, you know, don't let anyone boast in anything. Only let them boast in this one thing, that they know me. That's what the Lord says, the fountain of living water, the fountain of life. And so um, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And, you know, boldness is something that is, uh, in the word of God, it means something what's different to what we in the world would, would recognize as being bold. And in our country especially, people were brought up with the fact that you were either good or you were bold. You're a bold girl or you're a bold boy, you know, and, and it, it had a connotation of something bad. You're a bad girl and you're a bad boy. You're a bad person. But in the word of God, the bold are those who are courageous and um, who are 
I suppose, strong in the Lord. And we used to sing that song. Uh, I'm bold, I'm strong, for the Lord my God is with me. I'm bold, I'm strong, for the Lord my God is with me. I am not afraid, oh no. I am not dismayed, oh no. Because I'm walking in faith and victory. I'm walking in faith and victory. For the Lord my God is with me. And that's the truth. You know, that's really uh, the, the righteousness of God tied up in a song. That we can be bold and courageous and not fearful because of our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and in what he did for us and in who he has made us to be. He has joined us together and reconciled us back to the Father through his blood. And therefore he has given us, we could not be reconciled back to the Father. We could not be called a child of God, a daughter or a son of God, unless we had been washed and cleansed from our sins. And that is what righteousness is. There was no way that mankind could cross that chasm between unholiness and holiness of God. Uh, in order to be reconciled with God, unless that there was a bridge, unless that there was some way. And that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one can come to the Father except through me or by me. And so the cross actually became a place of exchange where our sins were exchanged for his righteousness, his holiness. And so our right standing with God has got nothing to do with our good acts or our good behavior. Uh, it has everything to do with Jesus and his pure, um, righteous holiness. And he has given us that and taken away our sins. So the righteous can be as bold as a lion. And so, you know, but what I want to look at first today, without getting distracted now, because I feel this could be uh, something continued next week, is in um, Leviticus, uh, no, before we go to Leviticus 26, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 6. So we're going from one end to the other end of the word of God. And... Um, in Revelation chapter 6, this is talking about the Lamb and the six seals in the end time. And, um, okay, how are we fixed for time, speaking of time? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, can I read this for you? As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being saying, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, Come! I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. 
And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, A loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's wages. And do not harm or waste the olive oil and the wine. Don't touch the, the oil and the wine. When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being saying, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease or plagues and wild animals. Um, so I just wanted you to see there that plagues are an end-time prophecy. All through the word of God, whenever God's people came into disobedience, willfully disobeyed God by an act of their will, what resulted was a plague. And it's the same today. You know, the world we're living in and people are saying, why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this? Why, if God is so good, are all these bad things happening? Well, you see, you have to ask yourself in relation to whatever situation or person they're asking about or nation, you have to ask yourself, who's God? Who is God in that place? Who, what God do they serve? What God do they serve? And what do they know of the word of God? And what do they know of the living God? Because you see, for, for generations, and people will do this, and they get away with it for so long, where they pay lip service to God. They'll go in and out of some place um, where they can, in the fastest way possible, partake in some kind of ritual that, uh, you know, makes them feel good and say, well, I did my, there you go, God. There you go. I just gave you that. Hope you like it. See you again soon when I need something. You know, and this is the thing. This is where we're at right now. We're also in a place where because the church has laid in such a, a state of, of apathy and passivity and, and more than that, the church has been in a state of pointing the finger at each other and criticizing and condemning each other and not walking in love. And in the meantime, the devil has been very busy discipling nations and governments, discipling people into believing his uh, counterfeit gospel of of transgenderism of homosexuality of abortion of of adultery of oh if it feels good you should do it because that's you deserve it you know for years people have been conditioned by even ads on television telling them you're worth it and you know their worth is based on themselves you know and as i said earlier our worth can only be based on one thing the blood the sinless perfect blood that jesus christ shed for us at the cross and nothing else you know and this is the difference between religion and faith religion relies on acts of good you know good deeds uh, self righteous self-punishment, uh, some kind of, of, of punishment for, for, so that I can 
make myself good with God. And, and many people see even going to church as an act of penance. Well, I'm doing it for you, God. <laughs> you must there surely add a few good points to my name, a few ticks there. Yeah, you're, you're right now. You're sorted again. Call back again uh, next year, you know. And, and people have no clue what's happening then. And the enemy, uh, these... These um, riders on these horses that John saw prophetically in the spirit were, you know, that first rider is on a white horse. That is not Jesus. These are counterfeits and, and they are, they are uh, demonic agents who have, because the authority that mankind, you see, Jesus gave us the authority. He gave the authority to his, to his disciples and his church. And what have the church done? Instead of uh, carrying out their authority on this earth, they have turned around to each other and been battling each other, fighting each other, hating each other, condemning each other, criticizing each other, slandering each other, pointing the finger, being offended, being full of superiority and haughtiness in, in their attitude towards others. And what it has done is it has kept them, the church busy and distracted and kept all of their families and their, their nations and their communities going to hell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the devil has in the meantime railroaded over the entire earth. And this is a clarion call, I believe, today. And I'm speaking prophetically to you as the church. And there's so few people here. I don't care. Because you know what? Uh, the Lord always uses our remnant. Where are the, you know, when you look at it, and I'm not talking about anybody, please, now. Because people are away on holidays and people are, are, you know, stuff like that. But I'm telling you that the church has been so lackadaisical in their priority of God. And then, uh, and then... You know, when, when something happens, that's why he said, when the evil day comes, will you be able to stand? Yeah. Every one of us will answer for ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, when we go to meet the Lord, whenever that is, it will be me and him. Mm -hmm. It won't be all of you with me. Uh, it won't be me with you. It'll be us alone, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. Yes. And he is calling his church to arise and to shine into the place and into the, the prominence and the authority that he has already mantled us with through the blood of Jesus. And um, let's have a look in, in, let's go to Numbers chapter 16. This is not to put you into fear. This is not to put you into condemnation. Uh, this is merely uh, to, to explain, you know, because people sometimes find it hard to explain. And they'll, they, they'll say, you know, like, uh, this is where fear comes from, really, I suppose. And, uh, you know, the Lord is saying to you, why are you fearing? Look at my words. Why are you fearing? Do not fear. He constantly said it. Um, in Numbers chapter 16, Moses and Aaron had had a, a fairly hectic day, okay? Um, there had been rebellion in the camp. Um, the, the 
Korah and his followers, he had gathered a few around him and he had a problem with the word that was being preached by Moses and Aaron and he had a problem with them. Uh, you know, like people do, people have problems with people from time to time and it's so important to be teachable but they weren't unfortunately and uh, there was, a, you know, destruction came to them, not only them but their households and all of those who associated with them and the thing is, is that um, you would think <laughs> that the next day that, you know, the ones who were left after seeing this destruction come on Korah and his, his crowd, you would think that they would be, you know, towing the line the next day. But no, in, in verse 41, the very next morning, the whole community of Israel began muttering again. This is number 1641 against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the Lord's people. As the community gathered to protest against Moses and Aaron, they turned towards the tabernacle and saw that the cloud had covered it and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared. So in this time, before Jesus came, the only evidence of God's presence was, was the cloud. That cloud went with Israel every day. The cloud, it, and at night it became a fire that surrounded them and it was the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, who was with them. And any time the cloud would come upon the tent of meeting, Moses would go in there and he would talk to God face to face. He would talk to the Lord face to face as a man talks to his friend, it says in Exodus 33. And so the people knew when they saw the cloud coming down that God was in the camp. And so, you know, whereas now God lives inside of each of us. His spirit lives in us. If we only knew the power that's living inside of us. Hallelujah. But anyway, Moses and Aaron here are representative of the, 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 the authority in God's kingdom. The word of God and, and the church really. And um, the people were murmuring against God. And you see, this is what God saw. He didn't see them murmuring against Moses and Aaron. He saw them murmuring and complaining against him. And people need to be careful because that's exactly what's going on in the world. People are all talk. You know, they have plenty to say, plenty to say against God. They have plenty to say. And, and if they only knew the power of his glory and his presence, who he is, he is the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And mankind has been so lifted up with pride and arrogance and hatred and deceit that they have spoken against God himself and and they have you know for years this has been going on where people uh, nations governments organizations families have been given the two fingers to God and this is what happened here 43 number 1643 Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle and the Lord said to Moses get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them but Moses and Aaron fell down and prostrated themselves on the ground. You know, that's what we need. We need people who are willing to prostrate themselves in front of God and before God and, and humble themselves and say, Lord, have mercy. And this is what Moses and Aaron did here. And Moses said to Aaron, quick, I love that, quick, hurry up, quick. Take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. He instructed Aaron, go to the altar, 
the altar of incense before the Lord that was burning all the time and it was reflective of the altar in heaven where the you remember in Isaiah chapter 6 when when Isaiah saw the Lord and he said that he fell down this was Isaiah the the man who who prophesied for God and who who you know obviously lived for the Lord and when he came into the presence of God he said I am a filthy a filthy unclean man I shouldn't even be here and and that um that cherub went and took a living coal from the altar from the fire before God and touched Isaiah's lips with it and said, now you're clean. So fire has a cleansing property to it uh, in the kingdom of God. And so he told him, take those burning coals, not, not bits of charcoal and not burnt out. And, and unfortunately, right now in the church, many um, churches and, and, and fellowships that are gathering together, there's no fire there whatsoever. There's plenty of ritual and plenty of religiosity and plenty of, of other stuff, but there's no fire. There's no power. And um, he told him, lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with God. The Lord's anger is blazing against them and plague, the plague has already begun. So, you know, in this instance, the plague that went out, went out because the people murmured and complained and gave out about God and about his servants. And it, it, it caused a plague to occur. And um, Aaron, did, Aaron did as Moses told him and ran out among the people. The plague had already begun to strike the people down. But Aaron, Aaron is Irish Aaron, Aaron burnt the incense and purified the people. Um, It says in another version that he ran. I love that picture of Aaron. He was at least 85, if not older at this point. 85 years of age. He took the incense which represented prayer and supplication and intercession and the spirit of God, the cleansing power. And he ran into the midst of where a plague was killing people and causing them to fall one after the other. And he ran in there unafraid, as bold as a lion. And um, Aaron burnt the incense and purified the people. He stood between the dead and the living and the plague stopped because of Aaron and because of prayer and intercession. Oh, if only the church could get a hold of this. If only that, that uh, instead of, you know, uh, people out there trying to make a name for themselves or trying to, to get followers and numbers, if only they could understand That's why Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and shut the door and the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, when you want to talk to God, you've got to meet him alone. And, you know, it's not all about you. It's not all about me and and what I want, Lord, and and this and that. It says that when we seek and obey God, when when we obey him and when we seek his face, he will give you the desires of your heart. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you but see people when they come to God what they're doing is they're seeking the stuff they're seeking I want this now Lord I need it and why hasn't it come you know and and instead of seeking him then all the things will follow and here that's what Aaron did he ran out 
unperturbed about his own, uh, you know, unconcerned about his own welfare. He ran into where the plague was and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people had already died in that plague in addition to those who had died in the affair involving Korah. Then, because the plague had stopped, Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tabernacle. So Moses had remained in the tabernacle. He remained there interceding and crying out. Aaron ran out. You know, this is what the fivefold ministry is. The pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, and... Uh, what's the other one? The first, uh, teachers. Teachers and prophets. And, uh, anyway, you know them. In Ephesians chapter 4, the fivefold ministry. Um, there... Uh, there is a call on each one of us uh, as the body of Christ. You know, Paul spoke about it in Corinthians, how each member is so valuable. If something happens to my little toe or, or my finger, the other day I sliced my finger and honest to God, my whole body was hurting all over. You know, and, and that is the way it is with, with the body of Christ. We each of us have such a vital part and are such an important um, you know, vessel to God uh, for his use. And we saw this here even last Saturday. And I have to say, I'm so proud of the people in this church, uh, the way you all came together and ministered to, to other people and, and made them feel welcome and, and all worked together. I, I just said it at the end of the day. There was nobody had to be told, you know, do this, do that, do this, do the other thing. Everybody pitched in and helped. And it was just such a, a blessing of, of unity and, you know, in Psalm 133, it says that where the unity and harmony is between the brothers, that's where the oil flows down Aaron's beard. And Aaron, of course, is, is the, he was the, the high priest. And so the high priest is representative of the, the, the priestly role as our, uh, for our worship unto God. And the Lord tells us that we are both kings and priests. You know, and, and so many people have, have caught on uh, to the, to the um, this is a different, going off on a tangent, but so many people have, have caught on to just the priestly role and not the kingly role. You know, the king holds the authority and holds, uh, for many, are called out into the marketplace. We're called to be, you know, not super spiritual, wrapped up in a bubble. And maybe that's what's really happened to the church, is that faith in God has been, has been reserved for church time and for been reserved in this, in this untouchable bubble instead of bursting the bubble and letting the water flow right throughout across the earth. What a difference in the world if that were so. And this is what Aaron was doing here. He was going out. He was unafraid to run into the midst of that plague. And that is the same for you and me. And I'll tell you, you know, you have to be in a place of, of understanding who you are in Christ in order to be as bold as a lion. And um, in, uh, if you look back at me and, and just to lay a basis for this, in Leviticus chapter 26, there is punishments for disobedience. And um, you can also read in... in um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 about the blessings and the cursing but just for today in, in Leviticus 26 and if you'll bear with me in verse 14 well actually in, in verse 1 to start with do not make idols or set up carved images 
or sacred pillars or monuments or sculptured stones or standing stones. And you know, when I was reading this, I really feel um, uh, to speak to you, you know, check your land, check your history, check where you're living and what went on there in the past. Talk to people, uh, you know, talk to the older generations and find out what they know. Because I'm telling you, our land is riddled with monuments and standing stones. And those things are a curse. And they very often have opened the door for curse on people, on families, uh, on land. You know, people are wondering why, why their family don't get on with each other. You know, there's, there's something, iniquity coming down the generations. And it needs to be identified, exposed, and, and eliminated. It needs to be bound up and cast out. And so, um, he says, uh, if there's any of those things in your land... Uh, do not make them and do not put them in your land so that you may worship them. You see, that's the thing is that those things have no, and, and if they are in your land, don't worry. You can pray and break off any covenant, any covenant with them. You're not to be afraid of them. They, have, they cannot hurt you uh, if you know how to pray and if you know how to sever any unclean um, ungodly cords uh, to those things where they were bowed down to and worshipped. You see, it's the worship. And it goes back to the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20. Worship no God but me. Sorry, man. Yeah, well, preferably to remove them, like really, you know, because you have to take a stand. And that's the thing we read there, you know, that the, 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 the righteous are as bold as a lion. And there has to be a stand taken. And, you know, this week I've just been thinking about a number of things that have happened down through the years um, you know, in my own life, I was thinking about this, and there was times where I had to take a stand. Um, you know, even a long time ago, uh, uh, there was a, something that went on, and it wasn't easy at all. And I just see now that what I went through back then, whatever, 25 years ago or more, that it actually paved the way uh, for you know, for me to be able to, to take a stand for the Lord. And, and don't ever discount anything you've been through, anything that has gone on. Everything is a learning curve. And, you know, there is timing as well. There's God's timing. And there comes a time where we do have to say, okay, who am I serving and who is going to be God here? You know, is it going to be man? Is it going to be, you know, whatever else has been going on? Or is it going to be the Lord? And it goes back so to that first commandment, worship no God but me. So where, where something is being worshipped, you know. But um, yeah, it, just to answer that question, it, it's probably, you know, better to remove them just because they are opening a door for... for... But um, so it, it's who you're worshipping. You know, I am the Lord your God, he says. And the Lord your God there, it translates to Elohim. Elohim, the supreme God, the true God, Yahweh. Um, you must, he goes on to say, you must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Sorry, this is Yahweh. I am the Lord, Yahweh, Yehovah, my Lord, the great I am. 
And so in, in the word worship there as well, it's, it's talking about prostrating yourself and bowing down. And you'll notice that what we read in Numbers, when Moses and Aaron went into the, the tent of meeting, they prostrated themselves and they bowed down before God. You see, and that's what the difference is. That's where the power came from. And um, it goes on to... You can read it yourself at home. Uh, it's quite a, an interesting chapter to read, Leviticus 26. I think sometimes people steer clear of Leviticus, I know. It's not exactly, they say, the most um, uh, <laughs> happiest book to read in, in ways. But it's, it sure is. Uh, it lays out the laws of God very clearly. And um, he says uh, in verse 11, I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. And so here the Lord is revealing to them that when they were in Egypt, you know, not only were they under the, bo the bondage and yoke of slavery to the Egyptians, but also to the gods whom the Egyptians served. And this is what, you know, the 40 years in the wilderness, um, you remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and got the commands from God, and when he came back down, they were after making a calf, a small bull, out of gold. And, you know, that was one of the gods that, that the Egyptians, and, um, you know, that it was actually a representation of Baal. Baal, you know, it means bull um, in, in one uh, translation of, of the word Baal. Actually, what Baal signifies and means is owner or lord. And so they were worshipping down as owner to, to Baal. Um, and, and this was more idolatry. And they brought it with them from Egypt. And so this is, what does this mean to you and me? When you're praying for somebody or when you're ministering to somebody, even people in your family, you know, they are perhaps working in places, married uh, or, or, or got, you know, um, maybe in, in communities or, or whatever, where there is a stronghold of, of demonic spirits of Baal that are controlling that place or that person or that family or that land. And you need to know who your enemy is. And because these things are handed down generation after generation. And you see, this is what God was saying to them. I brought you out of Egypt. And you know, there's, there's that wonderful song. Uh, I played it before for you. You took me out of Egypt. It's by David Baroni. And um, I really recommend you, you listen to that song. God, you took me out of Egypt. Now take Egypt out of me. Of, the, of the, the, the things that the enemy got a foothold in my life because of the influence or the control or whatever, or my involvement in those things of the past, whatever the enemy has had a, a, a legal right to be in my life, I ask you to expose those things and so that I can repent for them and renounce them. Because that's what it boils down to. It's not difficult to overcome these things. But, you know, the enemy hides stuff. And it is difficult sometimes, you know, and, and, and you can say it to people and, and, and expose it to them and, and they'll, they'll take it the wrong way, you know, and, and it, it'll start some kind of big, huge furore. But what can you do? Because we are taught that we have to speak the truth in love. 
You know, and that's why we don't go around haughty or, or, or condemning or, or mouthing off at people. But you do have to speak the truth because it is only the truth that can set you free. And so um, he says, though, in 14, however, say however, oh, however, <laughs> if you do not listen to me or obey these commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees and treating my regulations with contempt and refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I will bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and plagues and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will run even when no one is chasing you. So you've got, this is, you know, like what we read earlier. The, the, the wicked flee when no one is chasing them. The wicked, we tend to think of the wicked as in somebody like, you know, Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody like that. Listen, the wicked is anybody who is not obeying God's word and who is not obeying his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, the word of God tells us. It's not burdensome, but it is if you, your will wants to go down the other road, being lured away by the lusts of the, of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. They're the things that snare and trap people and, and, get, and cause them to be separated from God. And so, you know, you've got this, this um, clear mandate here that disobeying God will cause an open door for all kinds of plagues and disasters and, you know, the enemy, your enemies, to be able to steal from you and to rob you and cause such fear upon you that you'll be in that constant fight-or-flight response, you know, uh, where, where you're constantly on edge and, and running when no one's even chasing you. And, and that is high anxiety, so anxiety and fear come from not knowing who you are in Christ, from not understanding who it is who's living inside of you. Because if we fully understand this, and all of us are on a journey there, don't worry, no, you know, nobody has got there. Nobody has it all sewn together. But the thing is, is that we are constantly being transformed by the Spirit of God and renewed in, in the spirit of our mind. That is, why we, that is why we study the word of God. Because his word brings stability and peace. And his word washes us. It says that John's, um, in John's gospel, when Jesus was speaking to them about abide in me, uh, remain in my love. He said, the word that I have spoken to you, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So the word of God washes us um, uh, in a way that washes out our thinking. The blood of Jesus washes us from our sins, but his word washes out our attitudes, our mindsets, and our thinking. So where in the past, you know, something would have caused turbulence and trauma and, and turmoil for somebody, the more they get to know the word of God and what the Lord says on that subject, their mindset and their, their heart is washed out. And so then they have peace. And that is how the righteous can be as bold as a lion because they're not being bold and courageous from their own courage. It is because of who it is who lives inside of us and what he has done for us causes us to have stability and peace. Amen? Amen. 
Man, look, this is long. But anyway, if you, he says there in 23, if even then you remain hostile, he keeps going on about, about this. Uh, sorry, I don't mean he keeps going on about it, but I mean chat, verse after verse, you're going to read this. If then you remain hostile towards me and refuse to obey me, I will inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. Okay, let's just look at that verse. If you even um, remain hostile, that means if you live or walk or in your manner of life, depart and march away from God uh, and refuse to obey him by an act of your will, you refuse to hear, listen, agree or yield to him, he will inflict, he will bring an increase Disaster, and the word disaster there translates to scourging, beating, blow, plagues, stripes, wounds, slaughter, defeat, and conquest. And if you think about it, in Isaiah 53, everything Jesus did for us at the cross encapsulates all of that word. So that disaster is, you know, Jesus was scourged. That word disaster translates as scourging. Jesus was beaten. It translates as beaten. He received blows, it said, they, they, with the blows to his face and his head. Plagues, stripes, wounds, slaughter, defeat and conquest. This is where it's come from. It's come from a lack of obedience to God's word. And how can they obey God's word if they don't even know it? And so isn't it the greatest trick by the enemy to cause the church to either be fighting with each other or to cause those who, who are deceived to be worshipping uh, this one and that one and this idol and that statue and this picture and, and praying to this one because, you know, and this is what has been taught to people. Pray to Mary because Mary has an, a straight line to God because, you know, she is, uh, she's much easier to get to than Jesus. What a lie and a deception. I'm telling you, it is abhorrent to God. Because it is making, and, and it is not, nothing whatsoever to do with Mary. Mary is the mother of Jesus. She is not the mother of God. But, you know, we are told in the book of Jeremiah particularly, and right through the Old Testament, in fact, in Judges and Kings, it speaks about uh, Asherah and Baal. Baal, as I say, uh, was represented by the bull, um, and it means owner. And it is the God, the false God of the Egyptians and the Canaanites and, and all of those people that God told his people, when you are in that land, do not take on the, the gods that they worship. Do not bow down to them because he said, I am a jealous God. That's in the second commandment in, in Exodus chapter 20, verses three on down there. You will read that. Do not bow down to them because I am a jealous God. And I visit the iniquities of the fathers unto the children for the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So there's an iniquity that can transfer from generation to generation. And there are things that people are enduring and living through. And it might have nothing whatsoever to do with you. It can be something generational, a curse that is coming down. And it needs to be exposed. And how is it exposed? By shining the light of Jesus Christ upon it. And by uh, renouncing, repenting and revoking the authority that the enemy has. By repenting for it. And taking accountability. And so, you know, um, praise God. 
uh, Asherah, just to remind you again, Asherah was a part, you know, in, in, in this false god theology, was the mother of Baal. But she, she was not only his mother, but she was also his lover. And this is perhaps where that, that Oedipus complex, you know, is, is, is rooted in, uh, as they call it. Uh, and the thing is, is that the people who worshipped Baal believed, they also worshipped Asherah in equal, equal measure. And this is where the, tr the trick and deception of, of Satan in worshipping of Mary along with Jesus has totally trapped and deceived people. Uh, Asherah was worshipped in the same uh, way as Baal because Asherah was easier to get to than Baal. And, you know, you can see that spill over in, in, in institutionalized religion, which, you know, is, is based on ritual and based on lies and deception, unfortunately. And it's time the truth was told. Our country is riddled with it. We are, this nation is riddled with false God worship. And I'll tell you, lads, God said enough is enough. And it says in Acts 17, up to now God overlooked these things. But now he calls all men everywhere to repentance. And you go and you ask, you know, you see people asking, you know, why are all these things happening? Oh, you know, all these people dropping dead suddenly. I'll tell you, lads, it's, it's time is up. We're living in the last of the last days. We know that. You know, I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I'm telling you that Jesus is coming back. And it says he's coming back for a bride that is, uh, you know, unwrinkled and unspotted. And that means that the pure truth of the word of God has to be known. And um, praise God. Just to continue there, uh, it says in 23, if you fail to learn the lesson... And continue your hostility towards me. You know, this is going back to what we read in Numbers. The people thought they were only murmuring against Moses and against Aaron. But God said, they're murmuring against me. And their hostility was not just, they may have been hostile towards Moses and Aaron. And Moses and Aaron prostrated themselves and cried out for mercy for them. But God said, they're hostile towards me. He sees it as, as, as hostility. I myself will be hostile towards you, he says in 24. If you're hostile towards me, I'll be hostile towards you. Oh, that the church would get this. And that we would cry out and travail for, for, for mercy for people. That people's eyes would be opened. And that their hearts would be turned from the evil paths that they are on. Because they are on evil paths and make no mistake about it. But all of us were there. <laughs> and he rescued us. And he's, he's faithful. God is faithful. Hallelujah. I will, you know. Um, hallelujah. He keeps saying there, I will personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. You see, it's sin is the problem. Sin is the issue. And unless somebody comes to Jesus Christ and to his blood to be washed and cleansed of their sins, and not just their sins, but their iniquities, the things that are coming down the generations, the doors that have been opened in previous generations to allow the enemy access, um, those things need to be shut. I will send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you have broken. God is, is so faithful. He's faithful to his covenant. 
And that's what he was speaking to them here. I have a covenant with you and your people and you have broken my covenant. You have bro- you know that. There's people who take people to court every day of the week because they've, they've broken various covenants in marriage and different things, uh, in businesses where there was an agreement, a legal binding agreement, and one of the parties has rescinded on it. And, and that, you know, gives the, a legal authority then for, for a whole court case to take place. And it's no different in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. When you run into your towns for safety, I will send a plague to destroy you there and you will be handed over to your enemies. So when you run into your towns for safety, that signifies, you know, something that man built. Men built towns and cities. So again, symbolically and spiritually, how does this apply to us? When we run to those things, uh, you know, and, and people have run in relation to COVID, and don't get me wrong, I am not saying this, but I am telling you, I suppose I have to tell you, where people have been trusting in medicine, in vaccines or in anything else, and I am not against vaccines, okay? Let me make it clear, I am not against the vaccines. But where people have been trusting in the vaccine as being the thing that would save them from this, you know, trusting in uh, having loads of money as the, 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 the answer to, uh, you know, their problems, trusting in their education as helping me to be a better, uh, you know, uh, have better status in life, where people trust in man's things, that's where the problem is. And that's where the house of cards crumbles. And that is what you're seeing right now falling in front of your eyes. Okay? It's nothing got to do with anything um, environmental. It's got to do with where the trust is and where the worship is. And, and man's ways have been worshipped and put up on a pedestal. Through generations, even in the church, men have been put up on pedestals. We should never worship a man. We worship only God. The angel told that to John in Revelation. Don't worship me. I'm the same as you, he said. I'm a servant of God like you. Worship God. Nowhere in the word of God does it tell anybody to worship Mary. Nowhere does it tell anybody to worship the dead. In fact, we read it on Thursday night. You know, why do you consult the dead on behalf of the living? You cannot you cannot. It's, it's a, a total no-no with God. It's a boundary line you're crossing and it makes God hostile towards you because you are disobeying his word. Um, and in verse 29, 30, sorry, I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. And that is what is happening. God is dismantling. And whether people like it or not, there are going to be things, institutions, um, and, and things that people have trusted in and believed in that are being dismantled before their eyes because they have been built on false God worship, on worshipping something made by man's hands, worshipping something that man came up with. But God said, I will destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I will leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I will take no pleasure in your offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. And you see people then, this is the, the deception where people will sort of you know, pay money or give away money. Give, give, let, me, let me help you. And we see a lot of this. We see a lot of philanthropy 
in the world and good deeds and people doing wonderful things because they are so kind and so generous. But very often it's the giving that helps them to make them feel good about themselves. You know, and it's not based on the truth, uh, you know, of God's word. And that's why Jesus called out the day he was in the temple watching what was going into the to the donations box. And he called out and he said, there will be people who came in here today that gave more uh, than this, this. He picked out this widow that gave, you know, two mites and it, not telling, he wasn't saying that people should be poor and that it's good to be poor. He, he never said that. Poverty stinks. But what he was saying was, was that there's a difference in what you give and how you give it. And what is the purpose behind it? And it's the same here. You know, there are, people have been trapped into thinking that doing good deeds or causing themselves some kind of punishment will, will make God happy with them. Because, you know, it, it, it's sort of a cleansing thing for me. And, and God surely sees it. And ooh, another tick the arrows, another star on your, on your reward chart in heaven. No, that's not how it works. And praise God. Anyway, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's get to the end of this chapter. Okay. Um, for those of you in verse 36... For those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You will live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though fleeing from a sword and you will fall even when no one pursues you. So anytime you see uh, somebody running away, it is a, a spirit of fear that's behind it. And it is because they do not uh, know who they are in Christ or they have rejected him and said no I don't want him and they are, what they are doing is opening a door for a tormenting spirit of fear upon them because remember in 1 John 3 it says 1 John 4 it says when perfect love comes in all fear has to leave fear has to go once you know who you are in Christ and once you know who he is and that you need not fear that he is for you and that he loves you and that he has already paid the price hallelujah Though no one is chasing you, in verse 37, still in Leviticus 26, though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You will have no power to stand up against your enemies. Hallelujah. And it says then, uh, those of you in 39 who survive will waste away in your enemy's land because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. So now we have come to the crux Oh, this is such, I'll tell you, this lights me on fire because I'll tell you, this is what, especially in our nation, this is what's at the root of the whole thing. Uh, you know, the, the, the sins of the fathers are visited down the generations and so many, and this is why we can never point the finger at people and say they're this and they're that and the other thing. And all these people that are caught up in, in all kinds of, of confusion and sin, you know, they are so because of what has come down the generations. But as the church stands up and arises and shines and is a beacon of hope and light in the darkness, you know, and, and prostrates ourselves and worships the Lord and cries to him for mercy on behalf of them runs out in uh, as bold as a lion into the midst of the plague uh, you know uh, stands between the dead and the living the plague will stop and that is the truth and and this is why but at last my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors 
You see, it's so important. We People have, have, have uh, poo-pad uh, spiritual warfare and, and uh, you know, cleansing of the bloodline and all that. Uh, you know, you, you have a lot of ministers of the gospel who have said, baloney. You know, when you, when you received Jesus, you were, you, everything was dealt with. Yes, you have been made a new creation in Christ. Your sins have been washed and cleansed and you've been re- made right with God. But there are issues and stuff that, that the enemy has got a foothold back along the generations or even in your own life in areas where they have not been addressed and repented for and the authority revoked by the devil. And this is why there are many Christians who are still dealing with mental torment and all kinds of, of issues, uh, you know, and problems, and they're saying God doesn't work, and it's robbing them and discouraging them of their faith, and they have no uh, understanding of the fact that ancestral and even previous in the past. Uh, involvement in sin and, and idol worship has opened the door for curse, and this is what God is saying here. Uh, when I turned their hostility back. Am I still in the same place? Yeah. Alas, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I have turned their hostility back on them and brought them to the land of their enemies, and at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. And you see, the great news of the gospel is is that we don't have to pay for our sins. Our sins were paid for by Jesus. Hallelujah. Remember, this is the old covenant. So um, I'm going to leave it there for today. And uh, just thank you for your, your, your attention. And I know it's heavy going, but I'll tell you, our nation is riddled with false god worship and idolatry. And it has, uh, it has infiltrated and influenced every strata of society uh, from the top down. To, and, and it needs to be exposed and eradicated. And it's the church is going to do that. As the church rises up, arise and shine. For your light has come. As the, sh- as the church shines like bright lights, like we read on Thursday night in Philippians 2. As the church shines like a bright light and, and exposes and lets the light of Jesus flow, people's eyes are going to be opened and they are going to see. And they have a choice to make then. Who are they going to serve? And we just pray and intercede, Lord, today on behalf of all our nation. Oh, God, that their eyes would be open and that their hearts would be turned to you and that they would humble themselves and confess their sins and renounce and, and revoke the authority that Satan has had in their families, in their lands, in, in, in our nation, in our government, Lord, that, that Satan's uh, authority would be revoked and exposed, every work of darkness exposed uh, to the light of Jesus Christ and to your love and your mercy and we cry to you today for those who are in trouble Lord we cry to you today for those people who who are being affected in their bodies in their marriages in their families in their minds Lord even in their in their personalities where they're confused about their gender and all kinds of mix-up oh God we cry to you today for mercy for them in the name of Jesus and we thank you Father there's nothing too hard for you there's nothing too difficult for you in Jesus name Amen. Amen So come back next week for part two, I think. Uh, Let's try.